I'm Matthew Buckley-Smith, and you're listening to Slee Ricketts. Thank you all for listening. And uh, thanks especially to all of you who have subscribed to The Secret Show. Uh, we continue to get new subscribers, and I think people are really enjoying it. I've gotten a lot of a lot of really good responses to the most recent episode. I, so there are now four uh, Secret Show episodes up there, along with episode 55 that got pulled from the main feed. And... Uh, I'm actually going to be putting out the second half of today's conversation uh, as a a secret show episode in the next week or so. Uh, If you have not yet done so, go to sleerickets.substack.com and sign up now. There are a variety of levels. The cheapest one is $2.50 a month for some extra episodes. It's not a bad deal. you might also want to sign up for a free subscription because I fucked up this week and uh, sent out the fourth Secret Show episode apparently to all free subscribers as well. So uh, enjoy. If you got an email as a free subscriber, then I, I think you can listen to that episode. Uh, maybe, I don't, know, I don't know. I'm not really sure if I'll be using that for much else, but I'm sure I will not. I'm sure this will not be the last time I fuck up. In any case, thank you all so much for your support. And if uh, money is a real obstacle for you, do write me a note. We will work something out. If you are not interested in The Secret Show right now, just take a moment, if you would, sometime this week to recommend the main feed, Slee Ricketts, to somebody you think might like it. We really do, word, you know, word really spreads person by person. I mean, that seems to be the, the, the main way we gain new listeners. And there's some there's a, a poetry conference this past week, and I, I think I, I heard from a few people, so I think, uh, I think there, was a, there was a little bit of uh, one-to-one recommendation going on. I'm grateful for all of that, and I, um, I, hope, you, I hope you continue to enjoy the show and you continue to maybe, I hope it's something that you can enjoy arguing about with your friends. That is certainly what I do uh, with, with, with my friends who listen and argue with me about it. Speaking of which, uh, I am right now setting up uh, an AMA and ask me anything episode with Alice and Brian and me all together. So send in any questions you might have to sleevericketts at gmail.com or at sleevericketts on Twitter, uh, or you can send them to at B Platzer on Twitter. In any, in any case, uh, got some questions already and, and look forward to getting more soon. That should be a fun episode. This week's episode, this is this is a really fun one, I think. So th- this is this week's episode is uh, Cameron is back and he's back to discuss the Toby Martinez de las Rivas scandal of, uh, I want to say 2013? No, no, two, no, it was more, it was more recent than that. It was 2018, I think. Uh, but it was a big, ugly scandal. It involves some really, really uh, bad reading, some really bad close reading on the part of a British critic that ended up uh, setting off a little bit of a storm. Uh, it's it's a fun fun controversy. There's a lot of a lot of poor decisions, a lot of poor poetry and poetry adjacent decisions made all around, and and some interesting poetry. That's the conversation today. I ended up speaking with Cameron, who is a an incorrigible night owl, for another hour and a half or so. So I'm going to be releasing the rest of our conversation, which is also which is pretty good. We talk about conservatives and poetry. We talk about the differences in our tastes and what's missing from formal poetry today, and 
uh, a really juicily dumb article that Cameron found in The Guardian all about spoken word poetry, <laughs> British spoken word poetry in this case. In any case, it's a fun conversation. I will release that on the Secret Show feed soon. And uh, and then another little, little sort of throwaway episode I recorded with Alice and my wife that is extra silly. Um, thank you all again. And by the way, uh, um, the conversation coming up with, with Cameron, his, his audio is a little rough right now, but I am proud to say that with all of your support, um, we have made our very first official uh, uh, secret show budget purchase, and we've gotten Cameron a decent mic. So next time we speak, we've, we've actually already planned a really good episode coming up. And next time we speak, he should sound uh, a lot smoother and warmer and easier on the ears. But in any case, uh, thank you all again. And here is my conversation with Cameron Clark, all about the Martinez debacle. You had a typo in your in your email to me initially, and I liked it so much that I may use it in the in the notes because you called it the the Martinez debacle. Oh, <laughs> but that R, I like it because it, it's something. It's like it's even uglier than a debacle somehow. Yeah, uh, and and so I was just trying to look up to see if uh, Toby Martinez de las Rivas has done anything since this little scandal, and I couldn't find anything. No. Yeah, he seems to have he seemed to have fallen silent, maybe wisely, but very sadly so, since the whole uh, mess, to use a sort of inoffensive term for it, went yeah. down. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, it was a, a mess. So, so Toby Martinez del Rivas uh, is this extremely cumbersome name, but he, I guess and I guess we'll just call him Martinez because uh, that's the patronymic, right, in the Spanish naming convention, mm. right? I think. Yeah. Uh, so, so he he publishes a book called Terror with Faber and Faber, and then uh, a couple of years later he publishes another book called Black Sun, mm. and that is nominated for the uh, the Forward Prize. Which what is the Forward Prize? Give give us a what does the Forward Prize mean? Because it seems to be an enormous deal. I mean, I've heard of it, I know of it, but it seems like yeah. over there it's a it's a pretty huge deal. Um. I think in a sentence, the Forward Prize is the second most prestigious poetry prize in England or in Britain. I think the T.S. Eliot Prize is the most prestigious, I think, and I think that pays the most, uh, you know, getting down to the practical good things. Sure, but yeah. um, the Forward Prize is more various because it has different categories. It has best first collection and best poem of the year, individual poem, and oh. it has best collection of the year. So you have a few different winners. Of yeah, you have a few different. Winners. I see. Yeah. I see. All but right. it, it is quite prestigious, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, certainly. I mean, I, I certainly know of it, but I, I didn't like. I, I am. I wasn't aware. Like, there seems to be like an active, uh, like blogging, like public conversation about it over there, which is something that I, I not yeah. encountered over yeah. here. You'll get a lot of reviews of collections once they've been nominated. They become more. Uh, they become much more in the in the spotlight. They become more prominent. Yeah. So so Martinez collection Black Sun is nominated. Uh, it's or it's shortlisted for the for the forward. I think it's like five five uh, nom nominees. And Dave Coates writes a so there and there was a poem. There's a longish poem or a couple. Poems, it's hard to tell how it's broken up or even a, like a long portion of a poem. Yeah. Yeah. From. <laughs> 
from the segmented slash all is still still and then it's this long section that has then segmented itself and it, that's still only an excerpt from this poem uh, that appeared in Poetry Magazine before the book came out. Um, and I, I do remember reading that and being sort of baffled by it. But I mean, so so uh, you, before we get to the, the scandal, Martinez yeah. is a poet you enjoy, uh, Shane enjoy. I mean, and I think like you and Shane may, may also have a shared taste for a kind of poetry that and it may just be that y'all are smarter but like there's a kind of poetry i find i find kind of impressive and at the same time i i feel as if i can't i can't i, I can't enter it so what do you 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 admire martinez and he is he is widely admired and might you know technically especially what is it specifically that you find uh uh about his work that you like sure. i mean yeah me and shane have terrifyingly close tastes i think like <laughs> from our correspondence we've only found one poet who we disagree on and that's william blake who i think i like more than shane does but yeah no so um i'm, I'm gonna do the terrible thing of starting with sort of my uh, sort of subjective relating of my personal experience and then Please, i'll try yeah. to sort of my aesthetic pleasure sure um i'm so sorry because it's a very cliched way to do it no. but uh so i i came ac yeah i came across uh martinez I, probably in 2020, around a similar time when I came across the issue on Hutchinson. And I mm -hmm. think at that time, I was quite disenfranchised with a lot of contemporary poetry. I found it simplistic or uninspired. And uh, Martinez and Hutchinson were two poets who I think still influenced me and who then grasped me because they were so outstandingly different from other poetry in that they had a sort of linguistic inventiveness and brilliance that many other poets don't seem to be able to master, but they have their own philosophical vision. And I think especially in Martinez's way, he is, I want to resist using the term prophetic because it gets thrown around a lot with him. And I think prophetic is more, I don't think how you can judge something, whether it's prophetic until a hundred years later, but he has a <laughs> prophesied something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he has a deep philosophical outlook and, a pitch of voice that can turn that can at times come out as mannered or stilted, but other times can come out as sort of masterfully different or masterfully oracular that not many other poetry seems to be either not many other poets either seem to be able to do or seem to be interested in doing it. And I think that's what gra grasps me. His sort of his deep biblical oracularness and his his the grippingness of his of his personal vision of the world, which I think many other poets nowadays don't seem to have really mastered to sort of reinvent the world or rename the world through their own subjective vision. It's very, I it, he's one of the few poets who you struggle to find comparisons to other poets. I think William Blake in William Blake's 14ers, who the, the poetic technique he uses, more prophetic mm -hmm. poems is sort of, there's a reflection of him in Martinez's style. And also I think of Lowell and Berryman, especially in Black Sun, where there's more a more confessional turn, but sort of sim symbolism abounds and a sort of oraculous shrillness and a deep vision of a sort of flawed, broken world, very much interrelated with the idea of the fall in Christianity. So I think those are the things that grasp that sort of cleave me to Martinez, even if I don't personally 
believe or find his aesthetic or his vision, my vision, I still find it so entrancing and so otherworldly that he keeps me engaged even when I couldn't fully articulate what each poem means conceptually, let's say. Yeah, I that that makes sense to me. And I think I do even agree with much of your assessment of him. It is it's something different. Can I can I read out a poem of his? Um, yeah, but I was gonna say I, I want yeah, read it read an excerpt or something or yeah. Um okay, my audio might get worse now because I'm uh operating the brown notes, so that might be a right. I'll read one of the poems in Coates's article. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because I think it's quite a good example. I'll read at Ludlington Church slash to my daughter. Okay. I'm curious, is this how how um characteristic is this poem of his other work because it it seems it's, it's very very different than the stuff that was in poetry i think this is quite characteristic of it okay so this is there's, there's a poem that's in poetry shares similar ideas and motifs but is in a style slightly different slightly less characteristic of of black sun i think that's much more characteristic of terror where the okay. lines are longer and often they're a prose poem this poem which is a uh, partially beated and half rhymed sonnet with a 15th right. line is much yeah. more in characteristic of sort of the um the almost um iambic pentameter that a lot of poems of black sun seem to be reaching after okay and i just think the the, the voice and the oracularness of the voice and the vision in this poem i think are quite strikingly characteristic of martinez on a whole okay ready yeah, yeah. okay so this is at Lullington Church to my slash to my daughter. In my kingdom, it is winter forever. The snow falls and there is no time nor day. No, con no distinction between things, no compare, no floor to taint our rudimentary clay. The falcon has flown away with history. The bullfinch sheathed in ice and snow. The bare branch shall never know its may, nor husband teach the vanity of despair. Nothing disturbs its peaceful sleep. No dream of life, no hope, no falsifying dawn alleviate the black, the blank space within the frame. No words to speak, no beauty to adorn until she wakes and finds herself alone. You are her rock, Lord. You are stone. Lully, 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 lully. And I think, at least in the copy I have, it's you are your rock, Lord. Lord, you are stone. Oh, yeah, sorry. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you are a rock, Lord. Lord, you are stone. There you go. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Lully, 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 lully. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is certainly more approachable and has the charms of, of song. Uh, that little lully, lully. I mean, it does sound as well as some of those like I I iconic natural images takes me back a little bit to some middle English poetry, but mm. what, yeah. So, I mean, I, this, I find it doesn't blow my mind, but I, but I see, I see that it's good. It's, I see that it's well done and I see that. And I'm, and I think you're right that he is, he is reaching after something that I don't see people reaching after much. The stuff in poetry is, is like two enormous columns written often in a very sort of faux antiquated style. And it is, I mean, and it includes uh, middle English passages and is, 
it is it is highly vatic i mean it, if, if the stuff in that in the in the little lullaby poem is is a little bit oracular the stuff in the the poetry poem it, you know a black sun rises in the west of me and will never set god of my father's sleep like i mean it, it's it's a it's delivered on a a, a windy promontory you know into the storm uh, yeah it's at, it's at the pitch of his voice and probably slightly beyond the yeah. pitch that he can manage without yeah. coming across as shrill. But he is, you know, he he's he's doing something interesting. There is a weird bit at the end of uh, the 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 excerpt in poetry that, that comes in for some criticism and and a lot of commentary from from Martinez as well, which is a a big block of text that is just the word judgment repeated umpteen times in a big in a big giant rectangle, and then in the middle of that rectangle is a huge black dot like like yeah. just a black circle and that's the, the black sun of the title so so martina's book his second book black sun uh where both of those poems appear is, is uh, shortlisted for the the forward prize and dave coates who is a a well-known critic he's like a, a well-respected yeah. critic a lot of people like everybody in the articles you cited in addition to this one seemed to say like oh whether they agreed with him or not they seem to respect him as a critic yeah, so Dave, Co Dave Coates is an interesting critic. I know as much as what I've seen on his blog. I do not know how extensive he seems to be outside of his blog. He seems mostly to be renowned from his blog, where he publishes a lot of poetry criticism. I think he starts off as quite a conventional, if opinionated, critic. He has a quite interesting review of a, a collection of by Jory Graham. He mm. doesn't like Graham. He finds her. He finds her sort of a philosopher writing badly made prosaic pieces of false revelation and to be fair he i think he reviews one of graham's worst collections i think graham is a very a very patchy poet who is both better that can be better than most everyone else writing nowadays when she tries but worse uh, worse than a lot of people when she doesn't try and she doesn't seem to try for me quite a lot wow. but um yeah he starts off with that he moves late he moves as his sort of career as a reviewer goes on into a more sort of political commentator. I, I, I feel unjust using the term political. I feel like I'm in some way minimalizing his contribution, but he moves into a commentator on how the poetry world deals with, say, poets of color, poets from, to use the cliched phrase, un, underrepresented backgrounds. Sure. And he publishes quite an influential study of how many non-white poets are being reviewed in magazines, which, as I'm sure you can predict, right. does not have very positive results in right. the study. Yeah. You know, it finds them, the amount of white poets compared to non-white poets incredibly, incredibly unjust. But yeah, he moves away from that. And I do find his later reviews of many poets of color, I find them, he often seems he really wants to sort of amplify these poets and give them a larger background because of the injustice he's found in sort of the more traditional poetry publishing world. But right. I find his reviews often are unjust in themselves because they're not critical enough. They don't pay critical attention. They yeah. just praise and summarize. And I think that's his big flaw, especially nowadays. But here, this review of Martinez is very much his sort of attempt, his political and social analysis of a poet and one of his more one of his negative well negative is a, <laughs> is a understatement negative takes on who is being published 
2018. Yeah. So yeah, on September 13th, 2018, this is, so this is after the shortlist comes out, but before the prize is announced for the forward prize. Uh, he, he, and I don't even know that this, you could call this a review exactly, but he, he, it's this essay called On the Pale Sun of Toby Martinez de los Rivas, which is, which is, a, which, is a, which is a bad joke. But he writes this essay in which he draws in some lengthy quotations from Mussolini, as well as citing a, a, an interview Martinez gave to, uh, a, a, to the LA Review of Books and, like and then very selectively citing his poetry as well as some other commentary about the nature of fascism in order to construct i mean a a really it made me embarrassed on his behalf i mean this is a this is a childishly flimsy argument he makes the argument is not martinez is a bad poet the argument is not even that martinez personally has done bad things. The argument seems to be that Martinez poetry is ideologically fascist and has fascist meanings and is propagating fascist ideas. Yeah, well, I, I'm glad you, you find it, you're embarrassed for him because that is probably a better reaction than the reaction I sometimes have with this article, which I find at times enraging. I think <laughs> it's definitely not, it's not a review. Uh, Rob A. McKenzie, who we might get to, writes an article about this, and he has a nice definition between exegesis and eisegesis. I've never heard yeah. the second yeah, pronouncement yeah. again. Probably no, me neither, but, but, yeah, yeah. but yeah. So I would say that this review is either eisegesis or a kind of bastardized exegesis. Oh, yeah. So I mean, it's, it's so... Fl I mean, the, it is, they're really thin connections he draws from, like, one phrase of Martinez in an interview to then some, like, another, like secondary yeah. you know clause in some sentence of Mussolini's to say that like fundamentally all, like and then he reads this this poem about winter snow as being a poem about how whiteness should triumph overall which just seems bonkers i mean it just seems like it, a joke it's almost it's one of the worst readings of a poem i've ever seen especially because it seems to be based on such a childishly terrible fallacy where he says that if we read this poem must be read positively for the final, well, not the it's the penultimate and anti-penultimate uh, line, which form a couplet for the for that final couplet to work, which I think <laughs> maybe one of the most laziest interpretations I've ever seen, and runs counter to almost every participle of Martinez's vision, because I think what actually occurs is that the first lines describe a fallen blank world, full of the fear of nothingness, which Martinez claims is the major theme of his first collection and the yeah. and the couplet then supply a, a kind of partial hope against that but because Coates has created a sort of a self-fulfilling fallacy he must read those 12 lines positively to sort of even enact his sort of whitening view of fascism that he sees in uh, Martinez's argument actually I have a can I read a great a great quote by Coates of Martinez's in of a crit of an art of a uh, an essay Martinez has written, which yeah. Coates says he, he describes the essay, but I think accidentally describes his own, his own <laughs> essay about Martinez in it. Yeah. So he says of an so Coates says of a uh, an essay Martinez has written. He sums up the essay, the first paragraph of Martinez's essay, and says. 
Because contemporary poetry is in thrall to Marx, it follows that the only solution is to make it fascist. The wild conclusion is reached quickly and so quickly leads to another wild conclusion that it is difficult to respond rationally which, which and then he's put in brackets which postmodernist theories both academic and wider culture question mark which specific sects of wider culture question mark what where are these halls if not in the in the academy blah 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 yeah this is another problem with his writing style he likes to put vast amounts of questions into brackets that he has to correct sentence structure. By the time you get to the end of the, the list of rhetorical questions, you can't remember what point yeah, he was trying yeah. to make. This is the problem of this is the problem of Coates' style. He leaps from one wild conclusion to another wild conclusion. And the conclusions are based on sort of weird, sort of half quoted lines. He talks yeah. about Martinez's distrust for the city, and Martinez likes to count, juxtapose the city with the the wild, uncultivated landscape of what I'm presuming to be Northern England. Right. And yeah. Martinez sort of puts forward a kind of distaste for the city. Now, mo almost the fulcrum of Coates's belief in Martinez's fascism belongs to Coates's view that in Martinez's disliking of the city, Martinez is anti-multiculturalism. Anti right. Yeah. This is a terrible um, idea because Ma Martinez never mentions multiculturalism. He never mentions race. He's, for all we know, he might dislike the city because that's where the most amount of pigeons are. Right. You know. Yeah. I mean, and, it, it's a to it's a totally wild speculation, and it's, it also just you know it it turns out to be a really really off base argument in Martinez's case because he's and he he if anything says because he, he lives in Spain with his uh, near his ex wife and children and who's who his ex wife is I think Italian. And and so he is, is for you know very strong personal reasons is extremely opposed to Brexit and then feels exiled by Brexit and I mean even I think another one of the essayists later points out that he like works with refugees in the city where you know that it, it also I mean it all seems totally out of place and it also I mean Coates is is so I mean it's performing such a clumsy game of hopscotch trying to trying to like hit all the right social justice notes that he ends up like confusingly implicating himself at the end of that paragraph. He says, these obvious double standards are features, not flaws. The consistent element is that white men control is, is that white men control of the terms of any conversation and may change the rules as we please, which seems to be what he, exactly what he's doing throughout the whole, throughout oh, the whole essay. It's a beautifully accidentally self-described <laughs> right his so his his big you know his big fiery conclusion and it is as as some others point out like he is an influential critic and he he seems to be making a very specific play to warm he, he kind of calls out the judges of the forward prize and says i respect you all as professionals this cannot be allowed to happen he says martinez de las rivas's uh excellent exaltation among alongside three american poets one trinidadian poet and one trinidadian slash british poet is bitterly disappointing I'm compressing a little. The Forward Prize is not only an award, it is an opportunity to become a power player in the poetry community, to headline festivals, feature in national dailies, boast one's, boost one's allies, and in any and in however small a way shape poetry culture in these islands, there is a one in five chance that this power will fall to a poet whose politics are violently retrograde. It seems like he doesn't understand how statistics work, but and exclusionary by design, whose, whose idea of paradise lies in the racist fantasies of the most reactionary English nationalism. It's a, I mean, it's a bizarre set of accusations. And he seems, I mean, and everything is, 
you know, the the future of of like English multiculturalism is staked on whether or not this guy wins this prize. I, I will note that just on a visual level, so Terry, and I, I realize we're going to looked at, so so Faber has a a standard cover design for, for lot, not all of its books, but a lot of its poetry books that I really like, which is a single solid color with the, the, the writer's name printed in large letters in one color, and then the title of the book printed in large letters in a different color. So these sort of big solid blocks of color, it's very clean. It, uh, most poetry books are a little busy looking. So I, I, I quite favor this. In terror, the 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 main color of the book, the field of the book, is black, and then it, like either the title of the book is I think the title of the book is white, and his name is red or something. For Black Sun, I mean, it made me feel sympathy for my brother who accused the logo he designed for for Sleeve Records of looking fascist. The the cover of Black Sun is bright red, within most of the letters are in white and then there's a and then the letters the name of the i think the name of the, the book are in black and it just it, it does like really strikingly like, i mean as somebody point, pointed out like it's it's almost as if faber is winking at accusations that he might be called fascist it's so it's so like i'm assuming accidentally evocative of of nazi iconography but uh but it, i mean it just seems like a crazy it's like a crazy accusation both because there doesn't seem to be any real basis for for saying that that martinez personally is a fascist or that his poetry somehow is fascist and it also it also supposes that like it would be possible for somebody to write a fascist book of poetry that would fascist like like what do you think poetry does like how effective do you think like relatively obscure this isn't holly mcdish like this is, this is relatively obscure artsy high you know high, high literature poetry and the idea that somehow this is going to like threaten English culture as a whole. I mean, it just seems b bizarre. I, I don't, it really made me think like, it's the sort of thing that you would, I could like, it made me think like, did he, did he write this drunk one night and hit publish and then wake up the next morning and think like, oh, what have I done? Like it's, it's so embarrassingly, uh, like it's just so silly on the face of it. And yet that was not the response that a lot of people had to it. Yeah, no, just before I go, we go into response, I'd just like to add, for me, I, what I read underneath this sort of skin of fascist accusation is sort of the need to eliminate the other political side. So Coates, we, I think we'll safe, it's safe to say, is a progressive thinker and a progressive uh, critic. And what I think he's taken offense to is Martinez's right wing, although I think Martinez is right wing in a much more untraditional or anti-traditional way than Coates or Jack Belolli, who is someone else who writes about this, really understand. But I think Coates takes offense to what he to Martinez's right wingness. But knowing he cannot simply write a review and say, These poems are bad, they're right wing. Stop this. He needs right. to conflate and confabulate it to a point where we all can say, Oh, this is morally repugnant fascist neo Nazi scrawlings and we can yeah. throw in the bin. I think there is a kind of uh, political argument that needs to be enacted through confabulated terms. And if you're going to go through the bad faith, bad faith interpretation of sort of Coates' article, you could all see it as a, a sort of a promotional gimmick. I mean, right. Coates is the person who comes out well from this, from the Twitter storm. He gets more famous and he gets more 
publicity and people agree with him and champion his opinions. And I think there could be a you could have a bad faith interpretation of that. Obviously, I'm not saying I I'm I'm not trying to assume or not, right. I'm not trying to say that was an intention. But this article is terrible, childish. It demonstrates a terrible ability to close read, and I think is just a fantasy and a fever dream writ large. Yeah, I mean, it it doesn't it certainly does not seem to be. As you said, one of the other uh, writers, you sent me a, a slew of essays about this. And one of the other uh, critics says that he he's not reading, he's not really close reading the text itself. And it, I mean, that feels, I mean, that feels over generous only in so far as like, it doesn't seem, he doesn't even seem to be trying to read the text. He doesn't. It, 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 it he's reading his own text. Right. I mean, he, he, has a, he has a very specific and baffling agenda. I think you're right that like there are some moments. So, so part of what confused me a little bit about, and maybe it's a, it's a context that's better known in England or is better known in his social circle. But like the, the woman who interviewed him for the early review of books said she was very admiring of his poems. She said, are we talking about Martinez here, not Coates? Yeah, Martinez. So yeah, Martinez was interviewed in the LA Review of Books, and just briefly, because because uh, um, Coates does cite that interview, some I forget where it was. Somewhere in here, she says like he, he has a different ideological perspective than she has, and and then he has a few kind of oblique statements about how he like you might. He says like you might detect traces of monarchism or Anglicanism in my text, but that seems like a statement that means almost nothing about his personal politics. Uh, I mean, I gather that like maybe he's sort of, sort of on the conservative end of the spectrum, but overall, it just seems like he's yet another poetry weirdo who doesn't have very smart things to say about politics, which like most lefties don't. I like I, it's just that, like most poets are lefties who don't have very smart things to say about politics, and he's maybe right of center, but like again, he's just like another poetry weirdo. Like I don't, it, it's I'm it, it made me it made me wonder like was there some previous incident that like established where he like voted for somebody in particular that that got people angry or he like showed up at a UKIP rally or so like was the, is there some other context that established him personally as being uh, uh what do y'all call him Tories yeah Tory yeah Tory yeah, yeah. Is, is that, is that yeah is, um we, there is there is nothing that that's why that I know of I think it, you should probably take it against the political background of the time which is um, a very a post Brexit Britain, right? Yeah, an incredibly incompetent conservative government, which we still. Have. But he, but he opposes. Like he strongly opposes Brexit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. But I think you, I think readers in England are very attuned, and sort of the reader, the traditional reader of poetry in England. And I, I say there is no individual reader, so sure, I maybe yeah. self hypocrite. But the the idea of a reader in England is normally going to be a left-wing minor intellectual. Sure, and I yeah. think those people are very attuned to a, a, any sort of right-wing theme or ideal they can catch in a work and then they can then denounce. So I think when he, I think that is a kind of guarding that he's trying to enact there. He's trying to guard himself from sort of the feel of political distrust and political anger that was so prevalent at the time. And it's still prevalent now. Sure. Well, I mean, maybe maybe that's it because both the woman who interviewed him for the LA Review of Books, Lucy Mercer, and Dave Coates, they're both 
uh, well, I don't know if she is English, but she lives in London. So I'm assuming they're both they're both English uh, as, as well. So I, I just didn't know if like there were dog whistles that I he was. Coach might be Scottish, I think. Oh, Scottish. Okay, right. yeah, don't want don't want to make that mistake. Yeah. But he, yeah, they they all live in the UK, and so they're more sensitive to the particular cues. Because I mean, that, like, there's certainly plenty of things that that a, in, a, in an American context, one might say that that outside of that you might not recognize as being signals of one's political leanings. So I don't know if there was something that Martinez has said that just went like went over my head because I'm an American that meant more than to to other Brits than it would have meant to me. Uh, but like, even as a a massive obsession with what is termed the metropolitan elite. Okay. The you know, sort of a left-wing class of softly middle-class, softly left-wing individuals who live right. in cities and who are sort of the, the armchair intellectuals of the day. Right. So like in, in the US, we would say coastal elites. Yeah, sure. So, so the, like even the fact that he might like refer to that or complain about that suggests that he's, he's yeah, a little right-wing. Okay. I'm sad to say that even the fact that he might write about sort of the north of England or the countryside in a time when a lot of poetry is urbanizing and urban hmm. and he doesn't write about and he isn't say that if a woman of color writes about say the countryside in England people are going to assume ah oh, this is a radical left-wing take on sort of the right-wing right. um, bland nostalgic pastoral tradition I'm not saying this is good I'm just saying this is what will probably happen in say a bland, cliched journal like The Guardian. So when Martinez writes about sort of this pastoral, violent, northern, unindustrial, unindustrialized um, area in, in his first collection, Terror, most prominently, a lot of people will pick up on that cue and sort of set this as sort of a right-wing assault on the metropolitan elite who are generally considered to be the, heart heart the heartland leftists in the city but yeah so this this caused a big storm on twitter martinez did not win the forward prize though, though who knows whether this had any part in it i think um, i think Nani Capilgio might have won the forward prize that year for her that might... I, I, very a good winner although not her best collection i don't know why that one compared to say venus as a boy but if we can't have martinez we should have Capilgio. but yeah sorry back to yeah. twitter so yeah, so I mean, it, but it, it it did this this preposterous childish argument that Coates made caused a lot of trouble for Martinez. I mean, I remember back when I used to read uh, Harriet regularly, which seems <laughs> seems laughable in its own right. Uh, I remember hearing about this whole scandal, and and the uh, Poetry Magazine was taken to task for having published this this long, confusing, supposedly fascist poem. Uh, I mean, I, Mar you pointed out that like Martinez was given the chance to to publish a response, and he he really he really did not get his money's worth out of that. I mean, it, it was it's it is very stilted, and you said it's quite prosaic, and it also just feels like he he it's almost it's almost like he tries to sort of like it's like halfway between a personal reflection on his experience of compose. Like he, he talks there and in another, and in like the, the, the interview about like 
discovering the black dot that he put in his just because i kept thinking like who the fuck cares about this black dot like why why do you keep describing filling in a black circle and then thinking about the black? i don't fucking care about this stupid symbol and i definitely don't care about it you're like like ty typographical quirk it, it, i mean it is it is like it's a dingbat or whatever you call those things like he uses it to separate sections literally it's just like uh um there's some word in publishing for that but he's not very good at defending himself and people got really excited again i think they got excited because maybe i mean i think where whereas like maybe coates was motivated by a desire to draw a sharp line between acceptable society and and the slightest glimmer of right-wing politics i think i think once it bled into american twitter then the excitement was just the opportunity to to do to any opportunity to perform a social justice triumph by way of doing nothing but posting. Uh, so that that got everybody excited over here. And some very, various people have responded to it. I think most intelligently, as you point out, Rob McKenzie in The Dark Horse, which is a Scottish magazine. And I'll, I'll put links to all this stuff. It's way, it's, <laughs> I read all of it. It's way more than probably most people want to bother to read about. Uh, uh, no, I'm sorry to send you. Um, no, no, no. I mean, I, 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 was, I was happy to dig into it, but it, it, so this did seem to, it maybe seemed to send Martinez underground a little bit. But yeah. maybe he's maybe he's gonna come back and publish another book. Who knows? Who knows if it'll and who knows if uh, Faber will will bother to publish it this time? If Faber don't, I I assume there's enough publishers that might might be willing. But yeah, the, the responses on Twitter seem some of them seem logically bizarre. I mean, we haven't touched on the fact that Martinez has a poem called "Elegy for Young Hitler." Yeah, which, which I could not find a copy. Yeah, of I have not found. I think it's been removed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably in relation to this. But but Martin his is isn't a very good poem. Yeah, it sounds like I mean it sounds like it's not a very good poem. He also seems to suggest what what one might guess, which is that it's maybe a kind of an ill-advised attempt to like muse on the the person that Hitler might have been if he had taken a different turn or something mm, like this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which just seems not, you know, like not that interesting a topic and also maybe not especially well executed but but doesn't certainly doesn't again like doesn't seem to be evidence as with the faber red black and white design it seems like like oof bad call like boy you like, like it's unfortunate that, that that was the choice made uh too bad that you published a hitler poem but like it doesn't certainly doesn't seem to be damning in any way i mean, yeah i mean mackenzie produces some great tweets that just seem so uh, okay fine stupid you know i think someone says any poem with a title elegy for young Hitler is going to be fascist, which oh is God, yeah. beyond <laughs> idiocy. Once Mackenzie himself published the article in The Dark Horse, someone put on Twitter, oh, so we're supposed to believe the opinions of an old white man now, are we? Which is hilarious because instead of believing the opinions of an old white man, they're believing the opinions of a slightly younger white man. Yeah. Fantastic. But yeah, no, this is... This is more proof, if there's need to be proof, that you really shouldn't go on Twitter. Oh, there, and then there's also, there is a symbol sometimes called the Black Sun, although apparently that was, that was only, uh, that name only emerged like 50 years after the Third Reich ended. But there was a, there's an obscure symbol from Himmler's castle that's a variation on like the SS rune double zig. It doesn't look at all like a black circle, but it's it's sort of like a, a big, clumsy, creepy looking spidery 
Nazi sun, and that's a symbol that that Nazis have used at different times. So, so here here's the thought I do have is Martinez says that he wrote Black Sun, the poem or the whatever, and he came up with the the symbol, and then he later learned that it was also the name for this other symbol that looks very different that how that was literally a, an SS uh, insignia. The, the question I have, because he said, oh, well, I thought that was an unfortunate coincidence, but it just like at a certain point, like I, I, it made me think like, all right, guy, like I believe you're not a Nazi, but, like help yourself out a little bit, like like, <laughs> make, like make a few different choices, like at least drop like something, like tell him like, let's go with a blue cover for this, like something, you know, like just don't lean into every possible implication that you're secretly some fascist. It's just, it's so preposterous, but it also seems like he is, He's like Mr. Magooing his way into seeming like a fascist. I think it's, a, it's another beautiful example of how poets can have talent or genius, depending on who you are, and very little common sense. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, it does seem it does seem that way. It also, he, I mean, so the question I have for you, because he, he does seem very bumbling as a person, even if he's talented as a poet. And, and again, it just like the claims that he's a fascist are so ridiculous. But uh, the, the the other thing that puts me off a little bit as a reader is that he, he seems quite humorless. And maybe like if I read more of his poetry, I would see more. But like in, in the interviews, he's incredibly self-serious. And in the poems I've read, he seems, there seems to be no glimmer of of levity or wit or irony. It just seems like he's he's bearing down and clenching his teeth as tight as he can the whole time. There are some early humorous poems written in a sort of dialect that maybe is a sort of Yorkshire dialect, but I don't know, so I don't want to say that confidently. And tell, tell us, for, tell our dumb Americans what a Yorkshire dialect would mean okay. or be. Well, so Yorkshire is a county in England in the north. How do I explain a Yorkshire dialect without trying to do a Yorkshire dialect? So a Yorkshire dialect would be a kind of imitation of the, the, that accent, which is a sort of thick soup of vowels that often has strong, strong concentration of sort of consonants and T's. There's sort of a, a very sort of hilarious stereotypical argument between southerners and northerners in England about how you pronounce grass. So southerners will say grass with a sort of A-R and northerners will say grass with sort of a, with no R, you know, no sonic R in there. And Wait, that's, gr grass like, like the, the green stuff that grows in the ground? Yeah, yeah. They'll say it with no R? Yeah, so, as a, so a southerner will say grass, right? Right. And then also will say grass. Oh, like they say it with a short A. Yeah, yeah. Okay, they say it like Americans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. all right. There is, yeah, then, yeah. yeah. So York, Yorkshire, so that, but it's like, a, like it's a, the association is a, is a, a working class kind of Yeah, it's a working class, more pastoral dialect. Right, and, and, that's, and that's, his, that's his background. Yes, I believe so, or near yeah. York. I don't. I don't want to say that confidently. So yeah. I'm probably going wrong. But now that we've, when, now that we've insulted all the Yorkshiremen out there as well as everyone else, <laughs> we move on to like the Scottish or the Welsh. No, um, <laughs> he he has some poems in an early Faber pamphlet that sort of I think take the piss a little bit out of his pretentiousness. But okay. I haven't managed to get my hands on this pamphlet, and he appears to have sort of erased these poems from any of these collections. So he has doubled down on the high visionary, quote unquote, prophetic quality of the poet persona in yeah. um, his two full length collections. So I think you are right to say there is little humor in them. And maybe it's because of my age, but I guess I'm, 
I've never massively been interested in humorous poetry, although if a poet is humorous that and serious and complex, that is obviously an advantage. But I've mm-hmm. never it hasn't stopped for me it hasn't stopped me from appreciating poets if they seem too self serious. For instance, I love a lot of Hart Crane, but Hart Crane can be self-serious and pretentious. oh man so serious yeah. yeah yeah and I, I don't i mean i don't i have a hard time with her yeah i think i think you're right like light verse proper d- really does not interest me like i mm. really find very seldom do i read what you could call light verse and think like oh good i'm glad i read that like there you know there's some ogden nash has a couple classics but but no i mean i think for me though uh humor is like it's like the vermouth or like, what do you put in the, is it, you don't put, it's not Grand Marnier, but there's some little, fuck, there's something else you put in a, in a, in a martini that's like, you don't even taste it, but it, it like, it lightens things up a little bit or like cilantro you put in Mexican food. Like there's, it's a little, it's a little additional thing, like vanilla in baking. Like you don't taste it, but it, if it's not there, you notice that like it feels dry or it feels a little oppressive. And I think, I think like, some of my very favorite, like E.A. Robinson, Larkin, Hausman. Uh, Ye- I mean, Yates tends to be pretty self-serious, but in his best stuff, I think there's a little glimmer. Like there's a little oh, wink, yeah. you know, like Among Children, yeah. I think is wonderfully, like has a self-deprecating uh, edge to it. But I mean, I think like if it's, and, and, and like Shakespeare's so funny. Oh, I mean, he's, he's, well, he's often like overtly comical and goofy, but like even when he's just a little self-mocking, like in 73, it's like it it just it makes the whole poem like you if you took that out it would be so brittle and i think that's what i that's what i i don't and i'm not looking for light verse but i do i do want a little bit of that lubricant or whatever you want to call it it needs to be well parts of robert lowell and large amounts of weldon keys seem to Mm -hmm. be a, a style that um martinez specifically could learn from in a way of injecting humor yeah, yeah they have this sort of dry blade-like irony right i think yeah, that yeah, you know, yeah. would, would certainly enliven and sort of sweet not sweeten but certainly salt or vanilla is style right yeah you know it may I, i'll say something that did surprise me because he is a and also I, I i suspect it does not help his case that he's like a handsome blonde white guy too in addition to be like yeah. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't help his case that he looks like if he shaved his beard and combed his hair, he would look like a like a like a strapping young SS officer. Uh, does that doesn't help. But but yeah. I, what also just surprised me about the way he talked about his own work is that he's a father. Like he has multiple children. And mm-hmm. I think like there's something so humbling and humiliating and ridiculous about parenthood that it made yeah. me think like, oh, I'm surprised he still is able to talk about his poems this with this much preciousness after like after having like had somebody like shit on his face you know <laughs> yeah but maybe but i think there's also sort of a certain urgency i think there is a sort of certain urgency and rawness that he wants in his poems for his children his children recur a lot in his poems there's a lot of yeah um, poems about conception and terror and there's poems obviously for his daughter in black mm-hmm. yeah, but, yeah 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 you're right in that he sort of it's almost as if his children become symbol rather than yeah, living, yeah. mess, living, shitting human beings. Right? right? They're they're sort of symbols of urgency and power that he feels he needs to address. Yeah, yeah. No, right. I mean, I think that's I think that's right. Like it is. I don't, and I don't want to speculate about, speculate about his personal life. But yeah, like if if you have not. Your your child can mean something very different to you if if it's like a, if there's like a name 
and a and a photo and a and an idea of a place rather than like an adorable creature vomiting into your open mouth. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, but no, I mean, he's. I, I was I was glad to have be reminded of him because I remember reading reading about this at the time and thinking it seemed silly. But I, yeah, I hope he comes out with another book and and he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't get re-canceled for, for being an imaginary fascist. I mean, fun fact before we move on, I think the two things you and him share are yeah. your love for 90 North by, um, is it 90 North by Jarrell? Oh, Jarrell? Oh, he's yeah. li he, likes, he likes 90 North? He has an essay on 90 North by Jarrell, oh. and one of, I think, um, a prayer, or oh, I can't remember the exact words, by Berriman, and his sort of appreciation of those. And it, a yeah, prayer, I, the late religious poem that Berriman wrote towards oh, the end of it. Oh, career. just just called a prayer. Yeah, I think it, it might be called. A, it's on the Poetry Foundation website, I believe. It's, okay. Oh, eleven addresses to the Lord, or a usual. Yeah, prayer. yeah exactly. Yeah. Oh, eleven addresses to the Lord. That one. Yeah, that one definitely. Okay. Like, it, I think eleven addresses to the Lord. I don't think it's very hard to predict what you're like, but I I think you might find that sort of slightly archaic and coldly stilted in a way that some of Martinez's poems come from. I think mm -hmm. that is, I think that, that poem can be felt very strongly in Martinez at times. Yeah, I, I believe it. I mean, yeah, Berryman, I, I feel, I have mixed feelings about him and I, I, I love it. There are times I really love him. Uh, there are also times when he's so grandiose and self-regarding and seems to be just like the, the um, homage to Mistress Bradstreet, I, I find very impressive. And it's like, I'm always glad to spend time and read it, but it does seem like, you feel him straining to to be weird at times. It feels like, all right, just settle down a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think sort of Martinez and Barryman, and not to sort of grandiose myself, but probably me, have shared those problems when we approach. <laughs> That's a, I, you know, I, and I, it, it, you're and I'd say like it's most forgivable in your case. Like you you have you have plenty of time to be to be weird. That was my conversation with Cameron. You can find Cameron on Erratosphere, I think mainly as W.T. Clark and perhaps a few other places. He also sometimes helps out with the uh, Sleeve Rickets Twitter feed. Let me know if you have any any questions or comments about this episode or any, uh, any questions for the upcoming AMA with Alice and Brian and me. You can reach me as always at sleeverickets at gmail.com or at sleeverickets. Uh, and do do go to sleeverickets.substack.com. People seem really to enjoy it, uh, and, I, and I hope you will too. Thanks, as always, for listening. With any luck, I will be speaking to you again very soon. Until then. Until then.